Welcome back to the Northeast Newscast. October is Family History Month, so of course we're going straight to the best source of local family history, the Midwest Genealogy Center. This episode was made possible by Shemeika's online market in Delhi. Cheryl Lang is here, virtually of course, to share their vast resources, research tools, and collections. Hi Cheryl, thanks for joining me. Hi, thanks for having me. This is fun. <laughs> Good. Okay, so, you know, let's start with the basics. What kind of collections do you have and how can people use them? Okay, well, let me tell you a little bit about the Midwest Genealogy Center. We are a branch of the Mid-Continent Public Library. So you have um, 32 other branches and we are nothing but genealogy. All of the other ones you walk in and you can get... Um, you know, John Grisham and children's books and, and such. But here at the Midwest Genealogy Center, all we have are two stories, 52,000 square feet of nothing but um, genealogy materials. And so you can, and so uh, you can come here or we are doing a lot of things, like I said, virtually now. So um, that's what we do and who we are. That's fantastic. It seems like, you know, such a great resource for us to have right here, so close to Kansas City. I mean, you guys are located in Independence, but it's probably only, you know, 10 minutes from our office. It's very convenient uh, being in the middle of the country as well. The Midwest Genealogy Center name uh, tends to, to people to think that we only have genealogy from the Midwest, but we are national and international in scope. So you can come here and uh, research the ancestors that you might have had in Georgia or California or Ireland. So um, we have all kinds of stuff. And like you said, we're easy to get to. It's a big building, so we're still able to have quite a few people coming in. We do have a few restrictions due to the pandemic, but um, we're here to help you. And we have staff that are ready to help you. That's fantastic. And so who can use the Genealogy Center? Is it just, you know, um, Mid-Continent Public Library card holders? Is it the general public, you know? No, anybody can come in. Um, we have we have folks visit from all over the United States. Um, things are uh, still a, a lot slower than they were as people are staying home right now. But um, you, anybody can come in. Uh, we have people who bring their RVs and park in the parking lot <laughs> because they're traveling <laughs> across and they stop in uh, to do their genealogy here. Um, you don't have to have a library card, but we do have library cards uh, available for everyone. If you live in Jackson Clay or Platte County, you get a free library card. If you are in a reciprocal county, such as Johnson County, um, uh, Kansas, then you can also get a free uh, reciprocal card. If you don't live in any of these counties, um, then there is also a paid research card that you can get. So anybody and everybody can come and use the Midwest Genealogy Center. That's awesome. And so I know um, 
you know, especially with everything going on, we're all a little bit tired of being stuck at home. (laughs) Um, But, you know, in some ways it might be viewed as a blessing. Maybe we have more time to explore hobbies, work on projects. Um, Do you want to tell me a little bit about your online resources? That is the most important piece of our collection at this point in time, isn't it? Um, One thing people have been so excited about, there is Ancestry Library Edition that is only available for use within the library because Ancestry has an Ancestry.com personal edition that they sell to people at home. However, with the pandemic, um, Ancestry has released Ancestry Library Edition at home to anyone who has a library card. So see, there's another reason to go ahead and get a library card. You can do that um, research straight from home. The classes that we used to put on face-to-face, we've been recording those and uh, putting them up on the website too. And we've been having some virtual classes. There's just a boatload of online resources available and people can start this stuff from home. That's really cool. Um, You know, if somebody doesn't even know where to start, (laughs) is there any sort of guide you have or advice that you could give them? Absolutely. This is the stuff we do. This is the stuff we love to do is to um, help people. When you're first getting started, what we have found that only one in three people actually know much about their grandparents, let alone their great grandparents or their great, great, great grandparents. So, um, so getting people started, what we do is if you think about genealogy, it is all about a person in a place on a certain date. So when you're researching, you need those three pieces of information, or you need to know how to find those three pieces of information. So when you start with who uh, yourself, you know yourself, you know your your name, your the date you were born and where usually, and then you go to your parents. On our uh, website, there is um, some forms that you can download. So you hear about the family tree and it kind of, it starts with you and then it has your parents and then each of your parents had parents and then each of those people had parents. So it kind of just, it grows like a tree. So on our website at um, mymcpl.org slash genealogy, then there is um, some forms you can download. Some people like to type in them and make them all pretty, and they are fillable PDFs, but you can handwrite them, print them, and, and handwrite. But that helps you keep track of those people in a place and a dates. So on the form, it has uh, names, it has born and where, the born date and where, and married and where, and uh, died and where. So for yourself, of course, you won't have that last piece of information yet. (laughs) But um, you go ahead and you fill those out and you start with all of that. And you get back to, you know, your parents or your grandparents And then you can start using the online resources such as Ancestry um, to, which is not the only one, we've got lots and lots, 
um, to start filling in, okay, where were they born? Who were their parents? And um, you start with the census. The uh, United States Census, of which we are in, the, the 2020 census now, Sure. It was taken every 10 years since 1790. So every 10 years, you have uh, a listing of people's names. Uh, they started it uh, in 1790 to keep track of um, the amount of men. This was post-Revolutionary War. So it was uh, started really to know how many men they would have at any point in time for any kind of a, of a conflict. And because um, it would keep track of um, males age 5 to 10, males age um, up to 15, up to 20. So that way they were able to project too. So the census is done every 10 years. And what you do is you start, the most recent one available is 1940. There's a law that says that the census has to be closed for 72 years. Used to be that 72 years was the... Uh, lifetime of a person. And so that's, they said that way, the privacy uh, would be um, kept if it was not opened until 72 years after the census was taken. So the most recent one is 1940. And in 1940, for most people now, you can get back to either a grandparent or a great-grandparent or for younger people, even their great-great. Um, so then you can see them on the census. You can see if they live next door to grandma and grandpa and it has their age, it has what they did for a living, it shows the relationships, whether they have, you know, like the you have the head of the household and then you have the wife and then you have a son, a son, a daughter uh, or a boarder or a servant. Um, so it, that's how you start just kind of working your way back in the census. Once you find them in 1940, go back to 1930 then. And then after you find them and then you'll find that they're with their parents instead of with their wife. So there's kind of working your way back and climbing that tree. Sure. And now I've been really fortunate. My great grandma is still doing very well and she loves to tell stories you know, uh, about her childhood, about her, you know, younger days. That's so wonderful. And it is. And, you know, as we all know, stories and history weren't always written down. And some cultures have like a very rich history of oral storytelling. Um, does the center have any programs surrounding oral histories? Absolutely. See, that's one thing. A lot of people will do their family history and they say, okay, I've got my tree back to the 1600s. Okay, well, that's really nice. But you're not looking at the people that were in your family history then. Um, so you flesh it out with family stories. And there's lots of ways you can find family stories. One of them uh, would be to be able to look through newspapers in the past and you can find a family story there. And um, But the other thing that we, we really encourage now are oral history, what we call oral histories. And it's recordings. And you are so fortunate to have your great grandma. That's wonderful. And, um, and that, you know, she's aware and able to share those stories because not oh, only sure. <laughs> it is seriously, because not only is she able to share her stories, but all of the people that she remembers too. 
So like my grandparents are all dead now, but I have memories of them. And so you can record the stories and that helps keep those people alive. So we have a, uh, what we call our tell me a story uh, oral history kit, and it can be checked out. And what's inside is a recorder and a list of suggested questions and um, some permission because we like to make sure that everybody we're, we're recording that permissions are 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 given. And um, so you can check this out. You can take it to, well, I started to say family reunions. There's not so much of those right now, but you can take those to your great grandma and you can record her stories and it's got questions suggested like growing up in a small town or military history or um, going through a hard time in your life. So recording those kind of stories, then um, the recorders that are in those kits, they can plug into a computer. And so a person can save them with a USB, just plug it into their computer and save those recordings. Or if somebody doesn't have a computer to do that, we are happy to put them onto a flash drive for them and save them for them. So the telling stories, that's the part that is... That's the exciting part because you learn about the person, you learn about what they felt, what they remembered as a child. Um, I know my sister and I grew up together in the same family and her memories are so different than mine. <laughs> we will I'm sure my sister would say the same thing. Exactly. You talk about it. So come up with a story and you and your sister talk about it and she's going, I don't remember it that way. So there's a lot of reasons to do these stories because different people do have different perceptions of what the past was to them. And it's just so neat to flesh out that name and date and location. Sure. And, you know, as somebody who deals with a lot of history and so many events going on right now that we know are going to be historic someday, how do you think current events will be preserved? And, you know, there's so many people experiencing them in different ways, you know? Exactly. There are so many people who have lost their jobs. Talk about a story right there. You know, I mean, I, I, I have a family member that she just lost her job of 22 years and she's not old enough for Social Security yet. And, uh, you know, in your, your late 50s, early 60s, you're like, well, now what do I do? This pandemic has brought on this and the struggles that come with the unemployment um, issues or those who had COVID-19 and and then their experience with it. These are a lot of the stories. I'm finding it so interesting reading the news now with some of the stories of how people are dealing with the pandemic. Yeah, it's going to be crazy, you know, to look back on this when it's all over, you know. It is. And it's got to be recorded somehow in some ways. And and it's you see the stories, the national stories, but what about your family? How did it affect your family? Like 
the um, Spanish flu in uh, 1918, that really, you know, it's like, wow, that was that was awful and this and that. But it didn't really hit home for me until I found a family member who had um, died in the Spanish flu epidemic in 1918. And it was like, and my daughter and I, let's see, I know that I had found out it was my great uncle and he had disappeared. According to the family stories, my father was named after him. And the family stories were that he um, got in an argument with his father and went west. So we never, you know, the family really didn't know anything more about him. And then when I was got into genealogy and then the uh, World War I draft cards came online. Those are free and available online. So if you had anybody who fought and uh, registered for World War I. So I looked and I found him in the draft cards and he was in Colorado. He did go west. And it was like, oh, this is exciting. And then I found his death in 1918. And I'm like, oh, okay. So it's either World War One or it was Spanish flu. That was those are the likely for a young sure. man. Yeah. And so, um, so my daughter and I went west. Um, we went to Colorado and started looking and finding, and we found where he was buried. And then we started in trying to find out. We got his death certificate. He died of the Spanish flu. And then we started looking into his family's story. He had gone west. He married. Um, and then they had a baby girl in 1916. And then 1918, they have a baby boy in, I think, September. Then November, he dies of, not, not the boy, the father, of uh, Spanish flu. So that's December of 1918, November of 1918. By February, the mother died of Spanish flu as well. Wow. And then, um, so the two children went to their grandparents on uh, the mother's side. So then the grandparents both die. And then the two children go to the mother's sister. So it was just a whole story of how that pandemic really affected one whole entire family. Yeah, that's crazy. And that's something, you know, you never would have known because if they never spoke to each other again, you know, exactly. those things get passed down. And those are the things that I found. It was important to me because I then named my son after my father who had been named after this great, this uncle. And so it's for, for now, it's kind of like it, it wraps it all up and it's just like, there's the whole story now. Wow. And so how did you get into genealogy? Was it just, you know, an interest in learning your family history and then you found what you were expecting or maybe more than you were expecting? <laughs> okay, I'm going to say the one thing that I say to everybody. Do not look into your family history unless you're willing to take all the skeletons too. <laughs> that is the truth. Um, I started, um, I was interested in... Um, 
oh, let's see, probably by the time I was 18, 19, 20 years old and kind of got some of the family history. And um, my father had died when I was 17. So his side of the family um, and his sister had died before him. And so there wasn't a lot of family on my father's side for me to be able to go back to uh, even from, you know, the age of 20. So I got started and interested in, okay, I heard these stories from my father and I wanted to, well, I guess, first of all, the thing, I, I'm, I'm a skeptic. I wanted to know how many <laughs> of those family stories were true. Sure. And um, I heard stories of Aunt Goldie and her Danish count. And I'm like, mm, yeah, right. <laughs> and the story of uh, the one that w- the uncle who had gone west. And I heard all of these stories, but they were from when I was very young. So I needed to refresh and prove them out. And um, so that's what got me started into doing the research. The um, a lot of the a lot of what I found honestly came later with the internet. I've been doing this for about the last 40 years. And back then it was, you traveled to places, you went into courthouses, you wrote letters and waited for something, you wrote a check and, you know, it was six weeks or eight weeks later before you got your paper that you had asked for. So um, it's a lot quicker in, in getting answers now. <laughs> and sure. so, you know, and like, like that, that uncle, you know, being able to find him on the uh, World War One draft cards that are available online. So those kind of things. Um, and Aunt Goldie, that, that really was a true story. Didn't quite kind of kind of blew me away when I read. And it was more than we actually had heard. She yeah. had, uh, where did she see? Farm girl out of Des Moines, Iowa, and the whole family, you know, their father was a farmer, everybody was farmers, and you just wouldn't quite think she married a doctor, moved up in the world, and had a son, and then this Danish count came in and swept her off her feet, and then you hear all of the stories in the newspapers, that was fun. I'm telling you, <laughs> newspapers are awesome. They did. They they were much more. They're much more circumspect now about what is printed. Sure. <laughs> Back then, but she and this Danish count crossed the United States, bilking people out of money and getting prosecuted for it with her son with her, and uh, they'd be in jail. Some place, and it was in the national news, and they'd say this, you know, alleged. Danish count and um, but it really was true uh, they found out so anyway they got deported <laughs> and so she went, she went to, to uh, Denmark with her uh, with her count and uh, and I've touched base with some of the descendants of, of uh, her too so it's national and it's international now it's so easy with these resources that we've got you've got ancestry but there's so many other databases we've got at least 40 of the genealogy and newspaper and historical databases and and you can get all of that from home for free 
So that's the that's what makes it so much easier during this time when we're stuck at home. So if you don't yeah. have a library card, that's the thing I would tell anybody and everybody. If you don't have a library card, you need to get a library card. <laughs> For sure. It's time to take a break to thank our sponsors. Shemekas Online Market in Delhi, offering catering and nationwide shipping at shemekasonline.com. Find their new deli at 16th and Swift in North Kansas City. Shemekas, where customers become friends and friends become family. And now back to the newscast. So the center has over 155,000 title collections on family genealogies. How did you guys, you know, obtain all of those? Who compiled them? You know, was it just somebody wrote it in the front page of their Bible or, you know, where did this come from? Well, it comes from everywhere. Think about what you have in your home. You have, um, you have all kinds of collected information. We have not just books. Well, we have well over 200,000 just books that people have written. We have um, records of uh, cemeteries and we have records of uh, court records like marriage licenses and that kind of thing. All of that stuff gets extracted and printed. But not all of it is available. That's the other thing, too. I'm just going to have to say this because everybody thinks everything is just all on the Internet. It is not all on the Internet. (laughs) (laughs) I I say that of 100% of all information for family history research, one half of a half percent is what's available on the Internet. Wow. The rest of it is all still in libraries, in books, in courthouses, in historical societies, genealogy societies. It's just all over the place. So, I mean, I... I'll tell you one of the most fun things I do. I go to auctions. You can get so much cool stuff at an auction because people have this stuff in their homes. Um, I went to a local auction that had a funeral home record book. How did they have it? (laughs) People, you know, I know we're weird that we kind of get excited about those kind of things, but this this was from like the 1960s and the funeral home had gone out of business well if the stuff from it goes somewhere and it ended up uh, at an old older gentleman's um auction diaries everybody you know these old diaries that people have so these are the kind of things that make a difference. So what I do is like I'll go to these auctions and I'll buy them and then we digitize them and we can put them online for free and make them available to people. Um, Otherwise, here at the library, we have people who donate all the time. We get people who write their family history and then they donate a copy to us. And it's available here for anybody because that person's got lots and lots of other cousins. And so that's their family too. Sure. So we get all of that. That's how we get stuff. It started um, as part of a uh, the library director at that point in time was like, let's have a really good uh, genealogy collection. And it just build and build and build until we needed to build the new building that we have now. We were in a basement of uh, our North Independence branch back when. 
and uh, that's when I, where I started when I was 20 years old as a customer and um, learning how to do genealogy and how should I find those stories. So I've been out to the center once and, you know, it's a huge, gorgeous building. Uh, when was that built? Uh, 2008 is when uh, we opened this building. And okay. it is, it's huge. It's two stories, 52,000 square feet. And then we've got the additional 15,000 square feet uh, community hall where we can hold larger, larger programs after things settle down, hopefully. Okay. And um, so when it was built, there was so much stuff that we had that could not be um, put into the small area over at the North Independence Branch. So now, and now we're starting to fill up and expand into some of our corners here. We're getting ready for a big <laughs> shift in our collection to kind of squeeze in more stuff. Awesome. So if people are visiting Independence for the Genealogy Center, what else should they check out while they're there? You know, maybe local history things. Um, some of your favorite things to see? There's all kinds of wonderful history in Independence. Um, Independence was the jumping off start for the trails going west. Um, people uh, would come from the east to by boat or across the land and to Independence. And there were all kinds of uh, trading companies that would outfit them. And, uh, you know, they would be able to buy a covered wagon. They would be able to buy the supplies that they needed for the trails. So we there's wonderful stuff that some of us just not as available right now, but do remember that, you know, this isn't going to last forever. And I'm, you know, we're, we're kind of making it through, but uh, we're looking forward to the time when people can come and visit here and be able to get back to our bustling library. It's not quite as bustling, but then again, right now you get a lot of special attention because it's not bustling. So <laughs> this might be a good time to come visit. Yeah, for sure. And, um, the Truman House is going to open again soon, right? The and Truman Library. Walk around the square. Yes, yeah. the Truman Library just finished their huge renovation. They've been closed for what, more than a year. And so they have a brand new renovation yet too. Um, and, you know, I have to ask because it's almost Halloween. Um, if somebody, you know, in the Northeast moved into a house and they suspected it was haunted, <laughs> Would the Genealogy Center be a good place to go to find out who that ghost might be? Absolutely. These are the kind of things, because we have city directories where you can look up a house by the address and you can see who lived there then. And then you can do your research on them and see maybe they died in that house and have haunted it since. <laughs> That's great. It's a little, you know, getting ready for the holiday. Yeah. You never know what you're going to find. It's just amazing the stories that, you know, people have come in. and But doing a house history is is very interesting. Uh, I did that on mine. My house is about 105 years old now. And um, being, a, being able to do the genealogy of everybody who lived there before, that's a book in and of itself. 
I should write that. I should do that one of these days. <laughs> we keep, I keep, it's easy for me to tell other people that, you know, do all this research and then you have to write it to share it. And uh, I just, I've been so involved with my work that I haven't done that yet. But there, see, that could be a great story, you know, of this is the person and he you know, jumped out of the second floor and, and that must be my ghost. That would be a fun book. It would, you know, I always, I always think I should write more, you know, for fun, for my own, to preserve my own memories. You know, I do a lot of writing for work, but it's something I don't often think about is, oh, I'm going to want to remember this. You now know, see, why don't you? You should, <laughs> we should. We should. These are the kind of things that I, because what I've started doing and gosh, I haven't even admitted this to anybody yet. But what I've started doing is, you know, on your phone, you have a recorder. And so on my phone, I've been kind of as a thought comes to me. And it's like, I remember when my sister and I were Sylvester and Tweety when we were Halloweening when we were little. And I remember the feel of that plastic mask. And, and so I recorded that. And so that's what you need to be doing too. I will. I'm going to start. <laughs> the writing is hard. I wouldn't say I'm the best writer by any means. So writing, I think, is harder. But my thought is that if I record it, then all I have to do is transcribe it. Yeah. And there's even apps you can use now. <laughs> True that. It really couldn't be easier. You know, they make it so easy on us. So we should just... We should just start. <laughs> and we get so involved in, you know, everything that we do. And here at the library, you know, we're, we're so busy helping other people find their family history. Uh, honestly, I haven't, it, it, I have to work really hard to, to do a genealogy trip or to do my own genealogy simply because I just enjoy it helping other people, finding theirs. But uh, last year, I did take a, a lovely trip uh, to New England and uh, found a lot of my ancestors from the 1700s up there. There were some things that I was needing to find. And I found one death date that nobody else has been able to find in an old <laughs> newspaper in a little itty bitty tiny town. So that's not online. It's not this. That's why I say you have to go there. Yeah, I'm sure that must be so rewarding. And, you know, you just keep mentioning newspapers and that makes me so happy because it makes me think, you know, maybe the work I'm doing right now, somebody will use to track down their family someday. <laughs> no, Abby, there's no maybe about it. There is a guarantee that what you are doing and what you are documenting and you are writing, people are going to come back to. So you are doing such a wonderful, wonderful job then to be able to help provide for the future. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a great motivation. <laughs> it is. It is. All right. Well, is there anything else you want to add about the Genealogy Center and all the work that you guys do there? Well, just kind of a direction. We're one mile north of I-70 on Lee Summit Road. So if anybody can get down to I-70, then we're exit 14. Um, we are open seven days a week. We are open from 10 in the morning until 7 p.m., uh, Monday through Saturday. And on Sundays, we open at 1, and we don't close until 7 p.m. on Sunday. So people who say, well, I work during the week, well, then come play here on the weekends. But we've got plenty of um, 
plenty of time that we can help people. Everything we do is free. We're part of the public library and we believe in as much free access as we can give. Use of the library is free. Parking is free. Um, if you bring a flash drive, you can make copies free. So use of everything here is free otherwise. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Cheryl. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And that was Cheryl Lang with the Midwest Genealogy Center. This episode of the Northeast Newscast was made possible by Shemekas Online Market in Delhi. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Northeast Newscast. 